Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the, the games are over, but the game never stops. Never stops. This is College Football Overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into College Football Overtime. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. And after four months of football, it all comes down to this. The national championship played between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. Four and a half point favorite, Michigan versus the underdog who's been just, you know, the perennial underdog all season Long, two great coaches, Kellen DeBoer, the coach of the year, the Eddie Robinson coach of the year versus Jim Harbaugh, the heavily criticized and uh, often suspended head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. This is their first national championship appearance since 1998. This is their first opportunity to win a national championship since that same or 97, I should say. And then the second, they have a chance to win only their second national championship since 1948. On the other hand, the Washington Huskies have a chance to win their first national championship since splitting it in 1991. So no matter what, it's going to be a first time in a long time. And we're going to break down that entire football game. I'm very excited for you to join us. Thank you so much for jumping in. Before we do anything, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe so you get all of the college football content that you love. But before we get into this matchup, I got to welcome in my co-host, Abe Gordon. How you doing, buddy? We have one game left in the college football season. Sucks, uh, we started it? the weekend. We started the weekend. There were two games left. Congratulations to South Dakota State winning the FCS National Championship. But it is time, almost time, to settle things in the FBS. And when all is said and done, Garrett, um, the script writers had it. You're only going to have one undefeated team left every other team in the entire country will have at least one tally in the loss column obviously florida state picking their final one up uh in the bowl game so uh look michigan started the year near the top of the standings uh never never uh, seeded much ground um you know voters changed their minds here and there but uh when all said and done they were in the top three i believe the entire season long uh and then you've got washington as you mentioned coming from a totally different directive, multiple times being picked to lose specifically to Oregon, but also most recently to Texas. A lot of close games, a lot of one score games. Uh, But as you mentioned, they are the team that is still standing to oppose the Wolverines. So we are ready for a game that's got a lot of interesting angles on Monday night. Yeah. So let's get into it. Because the winners of 21 straight games, I think that's the longest active streak in college football right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. But this is a team that's won its last 10 games by 10 points or less. And now it's facing up against a team where it's a clash of styles. 
You know, you have a boa constrictor that is the Michigan offense and a high-flying offense for, led by Michael Penix. Like, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I know we talked about it on College Football Game Time that broadcast every single Saturday. Well, now, I, we just finished our last show. But... No, you can say not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. But on Sports Radio 92, not the game here in Atlanta. But, look, I said it there. I'll say it again. Blake Gorham, he's going to be the dude for Michigan. He has to be. And this, like you said, this is an, a defense that is pretty susceptible to getting beat on the ground. And we could have seen that against Texas, but for whatever reason, Texas didn't want to run the ball. And it wasn't until late in that game that they started going back to the ground game. And uh, I don't think that Blake Corham and company are going to be doing the same thing because this dude has 26 rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's, he's a beast on the ground. He's the best finisher in college football. But the thing about them, the boa constrictor notion that I, I, I insinuated at the beginning, they're 46 in yards per play. So they're not very explosive, but they get all the plays they need. They don't go backwards very often. It's it's Michigan and the service academies that, that don't go backwards. They're just leaning on you for a, a full 60 minutes. And when it's all said and done, you're, you're beat up and left to the side of the road. And <clears throat> the biggest thing is that they have to maintain that steady sort of attack, if you will, and just attack and attack and attack. And they bludgeon you to death. What happens, Abe, I'll ask you this. What happens if Michael Penix in this Washington offense can get into a lead? What do we see from Michigan? Yeah, I, I, I mean, one possession, I think you're okay. When you when you get into multiple possessions, that's when it starts to get a little bit scary if you're a Michigan fan. Look, I, I'll say this, and we're judging, you know, we're going to talk a lot here today about the most recent game that these two teams played. So let's take a look at Michigan, right? They they mm-hmm. get into overtime and end up putting 27 on the board, but they didn't score their uh, 20th point until there was a minute 34 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were held to 13 points for the majority of this game. And, sure. and it's a real concern because I just don't think that total right there is going to be enough to get past a Washington I do expect Washington to score. I'm not going to sit here and say it's 40s or in the 50s, but they're going to score into it. I would expect at a minimum the mid-20s, the high-20s, potentially into the 30s. And so, look, the Michigan offense, it's not – they they did not face a a defense a week ago in Alabama. Like, they're better defensively than Washington's going to be. So so it's tough to – you're not comparing. We, we talk all year long about the transitive property in college football. Just because they only got 13 from the majority of the game against Alabama does not mean that's what they're going to be held to by Washington. I understand that. But they are going to have to score. And as you mentioned, they're going to have to find some explosive plays because that's probably what Washington is going to do. You mentioned Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting, the run game on the other side of things, because we've got Dylan Johnson, who we've been told – is going to play. Um, that he's ready to rock and roll. Okay. And, and he can be out there and then give him a couple carries, but how effective is he going to be? Yeah. Uh, first off, how effective can you possibly be against a Michigan run defense that is one of the best in the country? That's one. And, and then just on your own, physically, where are you at? And, and I'll let you speak about him here in just a moment because I know you've got some thoughts on what Michael Penix has to do and has to be in this game. But it would serve Michael Penix well and the entire offense, the passing game specifically, would serve them well 
if Dylan Johnson can be effective in spurts. I, I don't think he has to go for a buck 25, but he can, can he get into the 70 and 80 range? Can he finish drives with short yards, touchdowns, the way we know Corum will do? Because any success in the run game against Michigan is going to be a huge boost to the passing offense and Michael Penix. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing because we saw Michael Penix. I think it was a rib injury. I think that's what people are insinuating now. He was banged up. He was hurt. Something was going on because the dude was putting up Joe Burrow-esque numbers. Like, I'm talking 2019 best offense of all time numbers. And those first six games, I've said it a, bu a bunch of times. Like, he completed 72% of his passes. Uh, they were going more than 10 yards per drop back. He was on pace for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, which is unbelievable. It's, it's uh, truly, it's, it would be unprecedented to have that kind of success. And <clears throat> over those next six games, he completed 59% of his passes and that dropped to 7.2 yards per drop back. His touchdown rate fell. His interception rate went up and look, you said it, it's Dylan Johnson. It became the Dylan Johnson show 16 carries per game for Dylan Johnson over those next six games, seven games, I should say. That's what because that's what they had to do. They had to rely on the physical running game. And what we saw on Monday is a healthy Michael Penix again. We saw the guy who we saw in the first six games of the season. And he was a beast. He throws for more than 400 yards. He he is what the, the fourth highest output of the college football playoff era. He has one of the best halves of football compared to only Michael uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Like that's it. The dude is a beast if he can drop back and make the plays. But you've got to be able to take some pressure off of him by, you know, dialing up a rushing attack. And, and you got to keep the defense honest. But I say that, and at the same time, Dylan Johnson didn't really have that big of a game against Texas. He had the two touchdowns, yes. Right. But I think he, had, he, he was held under 50, 50 yards, I believe. I think he had 42 or something like that. <clears throat> so I don't think necessarily you have to find a lot of rushing attack, uh, rushing success in this game. But you have to be able to use it when you get to the red zone. That is where I think it's going to be the most important. Not as much between the 20s because I think, like most air raid offenses, you can use a, an effective passing attack to kind of serve the role of a rushing attack. I think you can do that. You see that with the air raid. Mike Leach made that famous. Uh, that's just what he did, you know. And I want to see what Dylan Johnson can do when you get inside of the red area, especially inside of that 10-yard line. because. This Michigan front is really good. It's really good. They have one of the best linebacking cores in America. They have one of the best defensive lines in America. And this offensive line, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for Washington, it's going to have its work cut out, but I think it needs to shine again tomorrow. And they've allowed 11 sacks all season, 11 sacks. I think a lot of that shines on Michael Penix, his ability to feel pressure and evade pressure in the pocket. A lot of that comes back to them, or to him, but it also shines on just how good this Joe Moore offensive line has been. And I, I'm really excited for that matchup specifically. That defensive front versus that Washington front, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But Dylan Johnson, I want to see how healthy he is. He's not going to be 100%. I think he'll be 70 80%, but he'll be banged up. I, I wonder how many touches he'll actually get. But Michael Penix, it's, it's all going to come down to Michael Penix. But anything to take some pressure off of the quarterback is going to be good for them. Yeah. In regards to Dylan Johnson, the other thing is we just don't know what the limitations are. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it a situation where he can run forward hard, 
but not fast, not cut, or excuse me, not, not, you know, he can run hard and fast forward, but he's not able to cut. Is, is it something where he just can't go horizontally? He's got to go vertically north south. And so, what exactly are the limitations for him? Uh, I agree with you. It's a very interesting thing to look at both teams. And you look at a couple aspects of this. For Washington, can Dylan Johnson take pressure off of Michael Penix in the pass offense? And it might be the flip side of that for Michigan. What do we get out of J.J. McCarthy? And can they take some pressure off of the Michigan run game? Does it change how Washington is able to defend the Wolverines, uh, you know, selling out against the run? Or, or is McCarthy doing some things that makes it a little bit softer of a box? So you've got that dichotomy there as well. You, you mentioned the Michigan defensive front against the Washington offensive line. And again, we're going to go back to what we saw from both teams a week ago. Washington was outstanding uh, against Oregon. Michael Penix had all day to throw. And as a, uh, uh, did I say against Oregon, excuse me, uh, against Texas, um, he had all day to throw. And as a result, they hit on a number of big plays, a number of explosives. On the flip side, Michigan's front did an against, uh, outstanding job against Jalen Milrow. It was the exact opposite. He had no time to sit back there and throw. They weren't able to hit any big plays. And in fact, he wasn't able to do that much with his legs either. So definitely there's going to be a focus on who's able to do and recreate what they did a week ago. Real quick. So to that point, <clears throat> so one thing that Michigan did last week is they sent a lot of pressure. Yeah. Lots of pressure. Oh, I was getting there. The biggest difference, though, with, with Penix specifically is how well he does against pressure. Mm -hmm. So – on dropbacks where he is pressured or blitzed, he averages 8.9 yards per, per dropback. 8.9 against a blitz. He's 8.3 standard per dropback. He gets better when you send pressure his way. That is how dominant he is. And I, I, I if you're Michigan, this is like the same Georgia thing. The UGA does this all the time. Send four. And yeah. if you can rush four and reach the passer and you can get home, then – that's great because you can drop everybody else back and they're going to have to confuse him with weird coverages and weird looks. You're not going to beat him with pressure. Yeah. It's almost a trap that you could find yourselves falling into based on the success you had a week ago, right? Mm -hmm. You completely shut down Jalen Milrow and what the Alabama offense is looking to do, but that's a trouble spot because where you think you can create pressure on Washington, where Jalen Milrow was not going to be able to beat you was with hot reads. Yeah. audibles at the line yeah quick throws for short yardage getting the ball out of his hands instead of taking the sack as you mentioned Michael Penix has a propensity to do avoiding being taken down with the ball so if you fall into that trap right and you say we're going to get the same pressure on Penix as we did against Milrow here's the big difference Penix is going to hit where's the blitz come from let's find the receiver in that area He's going to find his checkdowns. He's going to beat you on short and intermediate passes, something we knew Jalen Milrow was not going to be able to do at any point a week ago. If the big play was there, Milrow would take it. If the big play is there, Penix will take it. But when pressure comes, one guy panicked a week ago. Yeah. What will happen on Monday night? I don't think any of us expect that Michael Penix, who finished second in the Heisman voting, who was in many mock drafts, jumped into the top six. Uh, based on his performance a week ago and, and, and other factors. Um, the expectation is that he's not going to panic. So you do have to be careful with who you're bringing because if you bring too many, there are guys on Washington. It's not just a doomsday going deep there's, there's, or, or Polk going deep. But Jalen McMillan, I think, is incredibly dangerous 
in short yardage, get the ball into his hands in mm-hmm. space. And this also goes into the Dylan Johnson discussion. How healthy is he? Is he going to be able to receive out of the backfield? Is he going to be a check down guy or are there instructions to go elsewhere with those plays, those throwaways, whatever you want to call it. So it's going to be interesting. But I, I mean, Garrett, it can really be a trap because of the success you had a week ago to try and recreate that again on Monday night. It, yeah. And it might almost be playing directly into the hands uh, of the Washington Huskies. Uh, that's that's what Michigan's front is faced with. On the, on the other side of things, we talked about J.J. McCarthy. We certainly talked uh, about Blake Corum. But Washington can be hit over the top as well. Uh, they do have some secondary pieces that are iffy uh, that can be had. Um, but I don't know if Michigan's going to take a ton of advantage of that. Uh, Roman Wilson, I-, I think, is a guy that maybe you can find out there. But when I look at J.J. McCarthy and the numbers that he puts up, I, I don't see that screaming uh, – a lot of big chances, a, a lot of risk reward situations. Um, and I, you know, just quite frankly, he's just not as accurate as Penix is. Uh, you feel when Penix puts that's a high out, bar. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Bar. But when yeah. Penix puts that out there more often than not, either his guy catches it or it's falling flat. We've seen situations where JJ McCarthy isn't quite that accurate and it might be more of a 50, 50 ball than either my guy or no guy. And so certainly as with every game, like like this is a dumb thing to say, but certainly turnovers are going to play their part. Uh, is Penix going to be able to keep on the run that he's been on? Is J.J. McCarthy, who who had some issues through parts of the season but was very good again a, a week ago against Michigan, um, if he can play his role in that as well. But it, it's an interesting matchup for this reason, and, and we talked about it a, a, after uh, the, the – um, the Alabama-Michigan game uh, mm-hmm. and, and Washington-Texas a week ago. I had a really good read. We both did. You and I both did. A, a really good read on what mattered in Washington-Texas. And it was all about this one specific battle and who wins this part of the game, this aspect, probably comes out on top. And yeah. I know it was a, a little touch and go there at the very end of Texas. But largely, the one thing that you and I had said Washington has an advantage of they did have an advantage and that's why they were in control of that game I don't know what that part of the game is here I I don't know what that aspect is here or who's supposed to have the advantage of it we can pick and choose all these small things right Blake Corm, can he find some explosive plays or is he just going to be a workhouse? Dylan Johnson, can he take pressure off of Penix? Uh, where's his physical state? The offensive mm-hmm. line, uh, short and intermediate damage that, I mean, we can pick apart all these other things, a, a potential secondary that can be had for, we can pick apart everything you want, coaching advantages or disadvantages, whatever you want it to be. I don't know what the one aspect of this matchup is that is probably most key, most important, most crucial to help decide this game. That's why it, it, it to me, it, it can go any which way. Uh, I know the odds makers have placed their number where it is, and obviously they're trying to get people betting on both sides of this thing. So let's not confuse a number favoring Michigan necessarily with Vegas favoring Michigan. Um, it's a very interesting setup here, Garrett. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, maybe you have keyed in on something more than I have, but I don't know what the crucial matchup is and who needs to win it to win this game. Well, I mean, outside of just turnovers, I think turnovers are going to be critical. Sure. I think special teams and turnovers. 
Yeah. That's critical. You know, I mean, JJ McCarthy, you alluded to it. I mean, he's a guy who he plays mistake-free football. He's as good as anybody in the country playing mistake-free football. He's had one interception since the Bowling Green game where he threw three, which is weird. <laughs> sort of an anomaly more than anything else. But at the end of the day, like, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Who plays the better mistake-free football? Michigan doesn't turn the ball over. They don't have negative yards. Like I said before, like this is a team that they're right up there with the service academies in terms of non-negative plays. They don't get sacked. They, they don't have penalties. They do against Alabama. You know, like this is a really, really well-coached bunch. And they're really talented. They're really good. You know, the only thing is, is they're that boa constrictor. And you have to keep, if they're able to keep Washington within arm's length by the end of the game, I think they're going to win this game. And so that is the thing for Michigan. You gotta stay ahead of the chains. You gotta stay on schedule and continue to do the do the things that you've been doing all season. If if Michigan goes out and plays their game, they're gonna win this game. That's really what it comes down to. 46 so, so yards me... to play. But if they're a boa constrictor, that's the way that they want to win games. They want to just establish themselves on the ground. They want to, JJ McCarthy. He doesn't have to go out there and pick people apart. He just has to go out there and keep them ahead of the chains. And make the big throws. Make the throws to get first downs. And that's just what they do. 46 in yards per play. I'll say it for like the third time. They are not a team who wants to beat you down the field. Washington, if you want if you want to win this game, if you're Washington, keep Michael Penix clean. Let Michael Penix drop back and cook. Let him do his thing. And if he's healthy, he will be able to do it. But if you're Michigan, you got to get some pressure. You have to get pressure. You have to get it with the four-man rush. Because if you do not get it with that four-man rush, he will pick your ass apart. I don't care who you are because good offense beats good defense. And especially, especially in this day and age of college football, good offense beats good defense. And this is really what we're going to see on Monday. We're going to put that to the test because that's what people always say. And I think the better offense is with the Washington Huskies. That's why I kind of lean to it because they have the better quarterback. Quarterback play is going to decide this game if you're if you're Washington, and that's what you want. But you got to build a little bit of a, bu a buffer. You cannot let Michigan just bleed you because that's what they want, and that plays into what they want to do. But that's really what it comes down to. It's don't make mistakes and stay ahead of schedule. So let me ask you a series of questions, and and, and we'll we'll get to a larger picture answer and sure. discussion in about this in a moment. But um, can Michigan win? If JJ McCarthy has a subpar game, yes. Can Michigan what do you win? Define subpar. Define subpar. Uh, like two like touchdowns, two State? interceptions. No, if he has two interceptions, they're going to lose. Okay, so let's just work. Can but Michigan? That's not a subpar. That's a disaster. Well, eh, he's still based off of how he played this. Can year. Michigan I mean, if win? He, if he if, does what he did against Penn State or Ohio State, yes, they can absolutely. Can win Michigan that game. win if Blake Corum has a subpar game? No. no. Can Washington win if Dylan Johnson has a subpar game? Yes. Can Washington win if Michael Penix has a subpar game? Absolutely not. Okay. So you're, you're, we're, 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 uh, and, and this just goes back to the point of the two most important pieces on these two teams. It has to be Michael Penix for Washington because mm -hmm. from their aspect, you said no. And it has to be Blake Corum for Michigan because from their aspect, you said no. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, uh, I, I think that's basically what it's going to come down to is well, with the brightest lights, the potentially though, game on the line, who who steps up 
for yeah. each team. Um, and there, there are probably more ways, you know, it has to run through Penix to mm-hmm. some extent, but I think even more so it's got to run. Uh, it's got to run through, through Blake Corum. Um, cause it, it, again, if he has or is having a good day, it's just going to open things up for JJ McCarthy. You've more so than Dylan Johnson taking pressure off of Penix. Uh, Blake Corum has got to take pressure off JJ McCarthy. And like we said, vice versa, if yeah. McCarthy in the pass offense can convert some longer third downs and, and stuff like that and take pressure off of Corum, it'll serve both ways. So I will say this. So I think. Michigan has to play, or excuse me, Washington has to play closer to a perfect game than Michigan does. I think Michigan has more room for error just based off of how they play. You know, I I feel like. Well, this goes back to the discussion we've had about various teams, right? Like Washington can't win this game 20, you know, 20 to 17 or something lower scoring. Michigan can. Michigan probably can't win this game if we're in the 50s. And, and the game's oh, wait, probably wait, wait, being wait. played in between that, right? It's probably sure. somewhere in the mid to low 20s up until the maybe low 30s in terms of a winner's score. And, and so it is that it is that zone where both teams could potentially win. Michigan could win a game that's, uh, you know, the winning team has 34. Uh, Washington could win a game where maybe the winning team only has 24. Um, but lower than that, it's Michigan. Higher than that, it's Washington. And it's those margins that 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 central area that really decides this game. And I tend to agree with you. Uh, I mm-hmm. think Washington has to play much cleaner than Michigan does because they have to rely on their offense. They can't find themselves in a spot where they are relying on their defense to either keep them in this game or help them out. They come back. Michigan can. And I think that's what you're getting at is they have a lot more variables in their favor in terms of how they win this game. Um, but it all it all will start for Michigan, uh, Blake Corn or not. It's all going to start with the defense because if Washington is just scoring at will, Blake Corn is not going to be enough to keep them in this game. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, it's the Lions 50, the over under is 56 and a half. So we're, we're right on the money. Yeah. when it comes to, to living in that little spot right there. But what the other thing I was going to say with Michael Penix specifically is Michael Penix can play a perfect game, and Washington Washington can still absolutely lose this game. The same can't be said. This I'm not going to say the same about Michigan, because at the end of the Michigan, like Blake Corum, he could play an average game. You know, like he can go for 85 yards and a touchdown or something like that, and Michigan can still win this game. I, I think that they would still find a good – Good, good chance that they win. That's what I was kind of alluding to because mm-hmm. I, Michael Penix, they just have more, there's more room for them to lose. I just feel like because Michigan is a more complete team, just top to bottom. And I'm very interested with that, but specifically with this Michigan, this Michigan defense and that secondary, I am fascinated to see how they try to slow down this wide receiver core because these three wide receivers have combined for more than 3,200 yards. 3,200 yards, Abe Gordon. And that's with Jalen McMillan missing most of the season. Yeah. Like, what, they're one of the 4,000-yard receiving, receiving tandems in, in FBS. And, I mean, Odunze is on the same level as Marvin Harrison Jr. He's right there with him as far as production and the way he just dominates players. 82% of his catches have gone for first downs or touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like, when Michigan played Ohio State, that's just the closest thing that we can compare to a Roma Dunze. And they got a couple of them, mind you. 
But Roma Dunes, that, I mean, excuse me, Marvin Harrison in that game goes for a buck 18 and, and a touchdown. The thing is, if Roma Dunze is doing that, Lord help, Lord help that secondary because that means Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk are also probably having an electric day because he's going to spread this ball around. Michael Penix is elite at spreading the ball around. He gets it to everybody. Everybody eats in that Washington offense. And so if Roma Dunze is having a day like that, that means that means the rest of this offense is likely feasting on, on this secondary. And I, I don't I don't necessarily think that they're just going to go out there and just have a field day. But I'm very, very interested in that matchup, just specifically. The strength versus strength, I think, is just fascinating in this game. I'm really excited for that matchup. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with, and because I'm going to talk about this here, especially when dealing with third downs, specifically yes. third and longs. Because mm -hmm. as I continue to try and find specific parts of this game that need to favor one team or the other, Michigan's got to be in third and three or four and shorter and at least give you an option to run the ball for a first down. I think Washington is going to be much more comfortable in third and seven, third and nine, third and 12, third and 10, you know, uh, some of the longer downs where they're, they're probably just running what's basically their offense anyways. Uh, I think mm -hmm. a Michigan finds themselves in, in those extended downs, unless they plan on going for it on fourth down. If a run is off the table, I, I think that's real problematic. And so you talked about it. And how important it is that Michigan doesn't go backwards, doesn't have negative plays, um, because I think they do need to be in third and four and shorter more often than not on those third down attempts. I, I think if you're dealing with it and you remove the aspect of Blake Corum running the ball, now he can still play himself out of the backfield, and Washington's going to have to account for that. We, we saw a week ago Alabama had problems doing that. So um, they'll have to account for it that way, but if you do make them one-dimensional, specifically on third downs for Michigan, it might be tough for them to stay on the field. Washington being one-dimensional on third downs, I think it's a little more fluid uh, in regards to that. And then just the other aspect of this game, which we won't know, everything's going to be situational. There's no way to predict it. But how aggressive are coaches going to be? I know we criticize very harshly and probably rightfully so Dan Lanning in the first matchup against Washington. He was very very aggressive, possibly cost his team the game when all was said and done. Are we going to see teams, quote, take points um, or or go aggressive and and try and finish drives? And, and if so, what's the team that finds themselves in a position to do that? I, I think it's probably more likely that Washington is aggressive uh, and more likely that Michigan so. is a little more traditional. But all of that's going to depend on what part of the game we're at and how the game is going. I'm talking about or from the start here, things may change as we get past that. But um, it's always interesting to see who decides to take the points um, and who plays a little more traditional or who goes aggressive. But especially because there's so much on the line, there's bright lights, there's all of that. Um, and, you know, it, it'll just be interesting to see what coaches most like themselves. Yeah in in the big moments and and we've seen Kalen DeBoer make a couple questionable decisions um I know he's criticized quite quite heavily for how things went at the end of the uh Sugar Bowl uh, against mm -hmm. Texas and the time management and all that stuff um so it'll be interesting to see if there's any carryover from that yeah and and one thing one more thing I'm going to say specifically about the matchup itself JJ McCarthy so you talked about how the secondary is susceptible the Washington secondary yeah sure I wonder if that's almost like a Venus flytrap of sorts where 
if JJ McCarthy starts getting a little bit more aggressive and he starts throwing the ball and trying to throw mm-hmm. the ball down the field, that that almost plays itself into like almost like a trap. Well, it's yeah. also it's also about and this is Harbaugh's job mm-hmm. on Monday night. He's got to keep his guy reined in. I agree with you because it's not just hitting big plays, but it's also you can't try and go head to head with Michael Penny. Yeah, you don't want to go one to one because they had a three yard drive or three play drive mm-hmm. that went eighty four yard, whatever, whatever it is in in twenty seven seconds and got. You don't have to hit the big play immediately. Discipline. Yeah, Discipline. And, and, and that's on Harbaugh both with play calling, but also talking to his guy on the sidelines to keep him within himself. This team has won all year long, not asking you to do too much. We've got one game left. We're asking you again, not to do too much. Don't go outside of yourself. Uh, I, 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 it was a point I meant to bring up and you kind of led into it. And I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the things Harbaugh's got to keep an eye on is, Hey, he's trying to go head to head with the second place Heisman guy. We don't need that right now. And, and look, one way to avoid that is going to be by play calling, right? Uh, we'll and, and bring it back down that way. But, but yeah, you, you've got to get in his ear. If you're starting to feel that, because the one thing that Penix can probably do is take chances that maybe he shouldn't. J.J. McCarthy cannot. I, I yeah. absolutely agree with you bringing that up. Yep, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Michigan is you yeah. stick to the game plan. Yeah, because the moment he drops back and tries to to get it all in one play is that's when I, I I would get a little concerned specifically for Michigan because that's just not who they are. That's not their game plan. That's not what they want to do. But you know what? Sometimes when you you face a team that can do that, then you kind of be like, okay, I can do that. I, I'm going to go out and show that. I want to show what I can do or whatever. And that sort of mindset that mindset can change people. And then you're on this big stage and everything. I'm interested to see who breaks from their game plan. Cause somebody will have to, somebody has to just because it's, it's a national championship game and it's all chip, all the chips are on the table, but Hey, we went 30 minutes on this mm-hmm. and we didn't even mention the sign stealing stuff, all of the off field issues that have been facing Michigan. I'm so pieces of me, you know, it feels almost like a team of destiny of sorts, a team that is no matter how you feel about it. See, I think Washington that is, feels that way more. Well, but here's the other thing. But this is a team that's that's rallied together, and that that locker room, that locker room is very together. It's Michigan versus the world, and it's worked for them all season long. But then on the other sideline, you have a Washington team that also feels kind of like a team of destiny, a team that's that's just sort of done just enough, that has lived in those clutch moments, that has stayed on top no matter what. And look, you've got a killer quarterback, two teams with massive chips on their shoulder. One team that's been that it feels like the world is trying to, to take you out at the knees. And then the other one just says, you can't get this done. This is, this is over your head. And they pick against you in every big game that you play. And I think that lends itself to, to two teams with big old fat chips on their shoulders. And I love this matchup. I think it makes for, for great football. This is the game that college football deserved after two of the best semifinal matchups that I think we've ever seen, uh, at least subsequent semifinal matchups. I think they're the two best that we've ever seen. Uh, I loved it. This has been an awesome playoff. And I am so excited for Monday night. Abe, did you have any parting thoughts before we... Uh, yeah, we I, I want to ask you one question. Um, Kalen DeBoer, uh, the head coach at, at Washington, does have some national championship um, experience. Now, sure. it was lower mm-hmm. level. He won three of them in the NAIA. Um, 
does that does that do anything for you? Does that mean anything sure. for you? Not as much maybe as as Harbaugh's inability to win in bowl games, which I mean he won on Monday last. Now week. I would say he won the last one. So, so he won I mean, at the end of the day, it's like no, not really, because this stage is bigger than in either of them have ever coached on. Well, except the Super Bowl, obviously with Harbaugh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like. That experience matters. I think Jim Harbaugh, I would lean to his experience. I mean, the dude's played in the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, that's that's extremely important experience. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that matters all that much, necessarily. And, and I know you say this all the time. You don't like to take previous teams or, or things that other teams have done. And right. to, like, yeah, I'm not a big trend guy into, from year to year. What they're yeah. doing. Now, yeah. I think it's, 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 it's telling as far as trends are concerned. Um and it's something you can look at and, and use, but of course you take it with a grain of salt. doesn't yeah. always mean anything for, for the next play, if you will. But no, I don't think that experience really matters all that much because in a division two title, that doesn't do anything for me objectively because you're playing Michigan, you're playing in Houston and millions and millions and millions of people are going to be watching. So I think it makes for a fascinating matchup. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And do you want to make picks? Uh, well, I'll say one more thing real quick. Um, it's just, I hope this game deserve. I hope the championship deserves, mm. it gets the game it deserves. I do too. One thing I don't want is, um, some terrible officiating decision marring this game. I, I don't look, look. You never want that. No. Yeah. You, you remember back in, in God, I don't even remember what year, 2010, I think. Colt McCoy and Texas face Alabama and Colt McCoy goes down earlier. And I'm not saying the game goes different, but Texas was out of it as soon as Colt McCoy got hurt. Sure. Uh, certainly we don't never want injuries, but I, you know, even more so in this situation, I, I don't want this game to be decided by something like that, by something like an officiating decision. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get these two teams out on the field and, and let's let them decide it. Uh, no, no nonsense, uh, anywhere else, but I, I am as, as excited as I've been in a while. I'm also as like, like we've said throughout the entirety uh, of this podcast, I am as puzzled about this game as I have been in a while. Usually I have a feel, usually I key on something and, and it's just, it's just not there for me in this matchup. There's small things, but nothing that I feel is like the deciding factor. And, and that's what makes this game so so interesting to me is i really don't have a good lean i can make a pick if you want but like make a pick come on what you got i'll, I'll take washington yeah, i'm a washington you know, too fine. just because it's fun but i i have no idea and this is not to me a situation where i don't think it never is in a championship game well last year i guess but not a situation where i don't think michigan can't win this game they absolutely can i i'll lean washington because i think they've got um a quarterback who looks healthy and when he's right is the best one in all of college football with respect to Jaden Daniels and the season that he had this year as well. But I, I just think Michael Penix is doing something special. He was near perfect uh, a week ago uh, against Texas and, and he's going to have to do it again uh, this week or, or, or Monday night. And, and I think he can. Uh, so I'll lean Washington. It's certainly though, Garrett, not a strong lean. I bet I put some money on him. So we'll see. The line was pretty, pretty tantalizing. Yeah. If you will. So I dropped a little, little 50 burger on there, just like the uh, New Orleans Saints. Just and you're hoping Washington drops a 50 burger as well. Then <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's going to make for a great game. I tend to agree with you. 
I'm siding with Washington specifically because of the quarterback. I think at the end of the day, the quarterback position is the most important position on the field. And I lean Michael Penix, not lean. I, I'm fully in that camp over JJ yeah. McCarthy. And he's a good quarterback. I think he's, he's really talented and he's, he can, he'll take the top off if he has to, but Michael Penix, if he can deliver the kind of performance that he had against Texas, Oh baby, we're in for a delight of a game. And we're going to break it all down next time up on uh, college football overtime. So make sure you're with us next time we come on out. So drop that subscribe button, click the subscribe button, click that like button, drop a comment to let us know what you think. Make your pick down in the comments below. But thank you so much for joining us. We are College Football Overtime. For Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. We will see you when a national champion has been grounded. See you then.